Welcome to Life Lessons, a ministry of Metro Believers Church featuring Pastor Glenn Smith. We pray that you will be encouraged by today's teaching. And now, Pastor Glenn. Haven't seen some of you since last year. <laughs> so good to have you today. Um, we're so glad. Welcome to Metro Believers Church, the not, what? The not-so-perfect church, yeah, where we do what? Life together. We're so glad that you're here today. Uh, we want to welcome the live stream audience that is watching us all over the country and around the world today. Um, and I just want to say we're glad that you're here, um, but we want to see you get in a good church wherever you may be, all right? But if you're homesick or something's going on or you're traveling, we're glad that you can be with us today right here in Madison, Wisconsin. So, Vicki uh, mentioned it about next week. We start 21 days of prayer and fasting. Woo-hoo! I knew you guys would be excited about that. Uh, this is where you suffer a little bit. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, some of you may, right? Some of you, some of you may uh, need to pull back on some stuff. But here's the deal. Um, what we do is we fast um, for 21 days, January 14, that's next Sunday, through the 3rd of February. Um, and here's what we ask you to do. You decide your fast, okay? Fast something. I mean, some of you may want to do like a Daniel fast or a juice fast, or maybe it's just a media fast. Some of you need to stay off Facebook for 21 days. Can I get a good amen? Oh. Yeah, so um, just encourage you to be thinking and praying about your fast, and then we asked you to pray at least 15 minutes a day, okay? Um, that's good for you. How many of you know prayer is good for you, okay? And that's communing with the Father. It's not some obligation thing that you have to do. It's a get-to versus a got-to, right? Isn't that a good thing? It's a get-to versus a got-to, okay? So the guys are going to come up, pass out clipboards. Um, I'd really like for you to sign up. We'll be sending things out during the 21 days um, so we know who's on the team and who's decided to pray and fast with us. Are looking at some different prayer meetings that you can come to during the 21 days. So we're getting really excited about 2018. I've been, it's been hard to contain myself, quite frankly, because I'm so jazzed about 2018. I really am. I, I, I've had a hard time waiting to talk a little bit about what we're doing. So, um, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, I wanted to share it in December, um, and some of, the, some of the folks on the team said, you know, don't confuse the star with the story, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that we were doing. So, uh, yeah, so how many of you are glad that 2017 is over? Yeah, for, if, Facebook, if Facebook is any indication, it's been a tough year for a lot of people. It's been a tough year. I, I know Vicki and I have gone through a few bumps and bruises, and it's been a tough year for people. And the good news is, he is a God of a fresh start. I said he is a God of a fresh start. He is the God of new beginnings. And no matter what you've been through or what's going on in your life, um, God can start something brand new right now, fresh crisp, um, brand new. And so I would encourage you to allow him to have his way in your life. Listen, if you don't have our clipboard, our, uh, what is it, uh, my, our notes, um, 
the, uh, the guys are coming to come around and pass them out so you'll have some good NBC notes, outlines to track with us today. But listen to this encouraging um, word from Isaiah 43 in verse 18 and 19. Listen to this. It's in your notes. It says this. It says, forget the what? Former things. Do not dwell on the past. Well, what does the word dwell mean? Kind of hang out, right? Stay there. You know, just kind of lounge, be a part, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, chill a while. You know, what, do not dwell, do not stay, don't, don't make your home in the past. Amen? Now, some of you need to hear that. I think all of us do. But I think every single one of us need to understand that God doesn't want you stuck in the past. God wants you to look forward to what he has in store for you and enjoy his presence right now. Amen? And so, so uh, don't, don't dwell on the past. See, it goes on to say, see, I am doing a what? A new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am, and I love this part, I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. In other words, I'm going to do some unusual things. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, the desert, you just don't, leave, don't usually see all those streams running through and all that kind of stuff, but I am going to do some unusual things, and I believe God wants to do some unusual things in 2018 in our lives. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate that. One amen. <laughs> yeah. I believe God wants to do some amazing things um, in 2018. So many of you know today's Vision Sunday. Uh, every year... The first Sunday of the year, um, we sort of roll out um, the word for the year and sort of our approach and our vision for the year. So that, that's today. And so our word, let me say words for the brand new year is going to be two words, depth and clarity. Okay? Depth and clarity. Everyone say that. Depth and clarity. Let's do it together. One, two, three. Depth and clarity. In other words, I believe God wants us to go deep. I believe he wants us to dig some, some trenches and go deep. That takes time, that takes energy, that takes work. And I believe, and I believe with all my heart that God wants to bring supernatural clarity to our lives. Uh, what does that mean, clarity? That means you begin to see clearly. That means the fog is lifted. That means that, means that, that you know, you can, you can actually sort of look into the future, look into where you're going without obstacles. So the, our new word for the year, new, new words too, I, I struggled with this because it's usually just one, um, and, but, they, but they sort of tie together depth and clarity. Amen? Oh, are you with me? <laughs> now, now the, the, the sense that I had when I was praying about this was this statement right here. I felt like the Lord said, I want the revelation of my word to be seen in 2018. I want the revelation of my word to be seen in 2018. See, God is a God of revelation. 
How many of you have ever read the Bible maybe in the same spot 15, 20 times and all of a sudden, boom, the Holy Spirit sort of grabs something and opens it up to you? That's revelation. That's the revelation of the Word of God. And I believe that this year in 2018, part of the vision of this church is to go deeper and to see further and to allow the revelation of God's Word to be seen in 2018. Amen? <laughs> Hopefully you guys are excited as I am. So how many of you would like to know more about the Bible? Let me see your hands. Yeah. Uh, how many of you would like to understand the Bible better? Let me see your hands. Yeah. So you're not alone, and I congratulate you. The Bible contains the very words of God. Wow. We're talking about the words of the Heavenly Father, the God of the universe, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the captain of our salvation. Amen? And, and, and His Word is so important. See, understanding the Bible literally unlocks the secrets to give you access to the most amazing life possible, to actually the one that God wants you to have. And my job as your pastor is to help you understand God's Word. The Holy Spirit will illuminate it and make it real to you. But, but my job and the pastoral team here at Metro Believers Church and the teaching team is our job is to help you understand it better so you can put it into perspective and you can really literally gr grasp the life that God has for you. How many of you excited about that? The life that God has for you. God has a life for you. Not just collectively as a church or, you know, the church of Jesus Christ. It, it, he has, a, he has, a, he has a, a story for you. He, he, he has his heart that's fashioned towards you. And we want to help you understand how to grasp God's heart for your life. And many of you know that I've been throwing hints around for the last month and a half or so about what we're going to be doing in 2018. And so today I want to share what we're doing. We are about to embark upon an incredible journey together um, of going deeper. Everyone say deeper. What's the word of the year? One of them? Depth. That means deeper, to take us deeper into God's Word. And we plan to cover, this is quite ambitious, but we plan to cover the entire Bible, the entire Bible in 2018. Wow. Thank you, sister, back there in the back. Come on. How many of you think that would be pretty cool? How many of you have ever wanted to go through the entire Bible? There's very few people that have actually gone through Genesis to Revelation. See. And, you know, I remember when I first came to Christ and, you know, I, my ambition was to go through the Bible. Well, it took me a lot of years to do it. Um, but I finally got there and I've done it several times since. But, but a lot of people have never done that. And we're going to go through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelations during 2018. See, we got to understand that biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high it, in the world as well as the church, even Metro Believers Church. It, um, when, I, when I was young, I had a lot of biblical upbringing. It was, it was sort of encouraged at school. 
you know, even though I never intended or attended a Christian school, it was sort of encouraged. You know, we, we started our day out with prayer, you know, in school, and um, we learned a lot about the Bible in school, public school. And uh, we, you know, I went to church with my grandfather. And nowadays, when people come into to the church and get saved and commit their life to Christ, some of them have never been in a church before. And we sort of assume that they've got the basics. And we, we sort of talk in a way, the, you know, Christianese kind of a way, that, you know, causes them to almost feel like they've got to just nod their head, like they get it and they understand, but inside they're going, no, I don't know what you're talking about. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And I feel like it's incumbent upon us as a church to break it down and, and help people understand the basics and understand the scriptures and how they apply to our life today and how they line up. So we've decided to hit the problem head on. We've decided that instead of just accepting and understanding um, that the scriptures are just, you know, sort of obsolete and, you know, biblical illiteracy just as part of our culture, that's just the way it is, we've just decided to hit the problem head on. So uh, I believe it's going to be a game changer for Metro Believers Church. And I'm asking you to allow your heart to be committed to this thing, and we'll see what the Holy Spirit does in 2018. But here's the, here's the fun part. During our time in 2018, going from Genesis through Revelation, uh, we're going to impact the entire family. We're going we're to have the kids, you know, the infants, the toddlers, the young elementary, older elementary, the teens, and the adults all learning the same thing every week. Everyone's going to have their own copy of the Bible, the, the, the story that we're going through, the abridged um, story, and uh, we're going to go through it together. And so that, that allows you as a parent to talk about this around the kitchen table during the week and, and to, to work together in a Bible study, just being you and your family or you and your spouse, to, to be on the same page. Everyone say, same page. So, as you can see, what we're going to be doing in 2018 is we're going to actually be talking about the story. How many of you figured that out by now? Yeah, I thought you had. Um, so, the story is a book. Um, it's an abridged copy of the Bible. We'll talk more about that. But the story is a condensed, chronological chronological, meaning in order, Bible written as one continuous story. Now, in your Bibles you have right now, um, or even on your tablets or your smartphones, you have, you have all these different chapters that you think may be in chronological order. This is just the way it all happened. Not so. Okay? Not so. So, the Bible, the story that we're going to go through is a condensed chronological version of one story Kind of like reading a novel. I don't know about you, but I love reading. I love reading. Enjoy. Vicky tells you to, can tell you I get lost, right? I just kind of disappear sometimes when I'm reading. And uh, uh, that's what this is. This is going to help us. Uh, uh, that's what this is. This is going to help us read it. And as a matter of fact, I've had a, a couple of people tell me that got one before the first, um, that, that they have been reading it already and they can't put it down. 
It's just like that. It's like a novel. It's like, it's just like, instead of just, you know, one chapter after another and kind of maybe getting sleepy-eyed sometimes in certain places, you know, it's pretty, pretty exciting. And so um, the actual story, this thing right here, this, the thing that we're going to sort of dive into and uh, begin to walk through from Genesis 1 is actually going to start on February the 11th, okay? Just so you know, February 11th. It'll be 31 weeks where we'll go through and preach through the entire Bible. We'll go through every chapter of this, okay? And uh, we're going to have some fun with it. I believe you'll learn a lot. You'll get to know your Bible a lot. But for the next several weeks, next four weeks or so, I want to be laying the groundwork and preparing us as a church to get ready for it. Um, The Bible talks about um, in Joshua chapter 1, when they're about ready to, to move, um, he said, go through the camps. God said, go through the camps and tell everybody to get ready. Turn to someone and say, get ready. Come on, turn to someone, turn to the next person and say, get ready. Come on, get ready. Yeah, so, so that's what I hear God saying, get ready. So we're preparing uh, as a church to gain the most out of this experience. I want to lay some groundwork uh, I want to talk about, you know, some basics and understanding and, and put some things in perspective. And then when you dig in, you'll have what's necessary to get the most out of this experience to fasten your seatbelts. Now, some of you may not know that the Bible is not written in chronological order, as I said. And some of the books of the Bible happened simultaneously. Okay, so, uh, so it can be a bit confusing sometimes, okay? Uh, but as we walk through the story, we're going to discover how our story fits into God's story. Every one of us have a story. And we're going to find out how our story fits into God's story. Now, there's two parallel stories going on at the same time in the Bible, the upper story and the lower story. I want you to catch this language, okay? The upper story and the lower story. The upper story tells the big picture or the grand narrative of God unfolding throughout history. The upper story is how things um, actually look from God's perspective. It's like this huge perspective of the upper story, what has happened from the beginning of time. All the way to the, what? End of time. That's the upper story, okay? God sees it from the beginning and the end. The alpha, what? The alpha and the, what? That means the beginning and the end. That's how God, that's the upper story, okay? All right? I mean, he's looking down and he sees all of us and all of things from the beginning to the end. Now, the lower, everyone say the lower story. So you got the upper story, the lower story. The lower story contains the sometimes delightful, other times appalling particulars of the human experience. <laughs> that's, that's the world as we know it, right? I mean, that's the lower story. That's, you know, things that are going on around you at work, things that are going, around, going on around you in the city, things that are going on around us in our country, the world, globally. That's the lower story, Okay. But here's the deal. Without the lens of the upper story, the lower story seems out of focus and perplexing. It just, you know, you wonder, where's God? 
But you have to understand that the, <laughs> he understands it from an upper story, and things that happen on the lower story will come into focus as we understand both. And then, then when we insert and understand our story in God's story, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's eye-opening. It's life-giving. And my, most people don't understand or only understand the lower story. They, they just understand God from what they see, right? God, this, is the, this is God. This is don't, not realizing that there's an upper story. They just see it. They just see God through the lower story, what they see around the world, what they see in their own life. It's only, I believe, when we understand the upper story that we can accurately see how our story fits into what? God's story. Amen? I know we're getting in the weeds a little bit, but I want you to grasp this. Now, God is weaving all of our lower stories to tell one grand epic story from above. He's weaving through yeah, all of our lower stories to, to actually tell one grand epic story from above. Yeah, I mean, here's the deal. The upper story, the upper story never changes even, even to the last chapter of the Bible. The upper story guides people into seeing every text as fitting into, into the bigger context or the bigger picture. But there really is only one story of God. One story of God. The Bible is like a mural that tells a single story. I don't know if any of you have ever been to Rome um, and gone to the Sistine Chapel. Vicki and I were there, and unfortunately, we didn't get in because there were so many people waiting in line. But the Sistine Chapel, you know, was painted by Michelangelo, and there's 300 different characters in that mural on the ceiling telling one redemptive story from Adam to the end. It's amazing. And that's kind of what this is like, telling one story, one, one little story or one big story that, that, that has a redemptive message to all of us. But the Bible doesn't read like a story. It doesn't. It, it's, it's somewhat choppy unless you have the background to understand it. And, and when you know what it's about and you know how to interpret things, then, then you, can, you can read it and it really impacts you to a greater degree. Not to say you can't just pick it up and get some amazing things out of it. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying it just becomes more, more complete in your heart when you see it in its chronological order. If you have your Bibles today, open them to... The table of contents. <laughs> the table of contents. This is going to get real deep. Table of contents. So, um, let me show you how this is arranged so you can really begin to understand, if you don't, okay, um, how this whole thing is arranged and why why it might be a little bit, of frust little bit frustrating for you. Um, if you don't have your paper Bibles to turn to the table of contents, I have included them in your notes, okay? They're on the back of your notes. And so I just want to, real quick, in the little, little bit of time I have left, lay a foundation 
of how the Old Testament and the New Testament is laid out, okay? Now, if you have your paper Bible, you can actually write in the table of contents what I'm about to share with you, okay? How they break down, what they are, what, they, what they're called, what sections, so on and so forth, okay? So, here we go. The first part of the Bible, the first five books in your Bible are called the Pentateuch, okay? Called the Pentateuch. So, if you have your paper notes there, your Bible, you can just bracket it, and around those first five books, you can, you can write the Pentateuch, or also you can put the law, okay? So, first five books of the Bible, um, you know, liter- the, the, the word Pentateuch means five, okay? So, so, that's why it's called the Pentateuch, because it's the first five books of the Bible, all right? So, from Genesis to Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, Genesis through Numbers is a chronological history of the children of Israel, okay? Then you get to Deuteronomy, and you realize that Moses is repeating himself sometimes. You go, wait a minute here. <laughs> what happened? Um, is this whole, a whole new deal? Is, no, he's repeating himself. But actually, the name Deuteronomy is a compound word, two parts, in other words. The word deuter meaning second, and namus, meaning law, are the second, the second of the law, or the repetition of the stories you've already read about. And Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, good to know, huh? Good to know when you're reading the Bible. It's just nice to know these things, okay? The next, sec- next uh, 12 books in your Bible, um, from Joshua, right? Yeah, Joshua, all the way, all the way to Esther, all right? All the way to Esther, is the historical books of the Bible. The historical books of the Bible. And they are pretty much in chronological order until you get halfway in and land on 1 Kings. 1 Kings begins with the the story of Solomon's reign. Okay, everyone say Solomon's reign. Come on, say it with an attitude. Solomon's reign. All right. Um, And Solomon's reign is over the united Israel, all of Israel, okay? And describes the demise of Solomon, and we know a lot about Solomon from Proverbs, right? And other books. Um, The demise of Solomon and the dividing of the northern um, are the two nations into weaker nations, or the, the individual nation of Israel into two weaker nations, and it was Israel to the north and Judah to the south, Okay? Now the next section we have, next you come to the five books of poetry, poetry, all right? And that's from um, Job to the Song of Songs. And they're not in chronological necessarily either, just so you know, okay? Now Job's story, a lot of you have read the book of Job's, Job. Job's story is believed to have taken part or taken place somewhere around the time of Abraham. How many of you have ever read about Abraham, okay? And way back in Genesis, okay? And so you can go, okay, what's going on here? Um, and it just gets uh, sometimes a little bit difficult to understand if you have no biblical background or understanding of how to actually, you know, filter some of this stuff and, and kind of walk it out. Um, now, Job's story, even though it was believed to have taken place way back with Abraham, um, we understand that these books, all in this poetry section, um, is written by different authors. 
Um, and Psalms, for example, um, is written by three different authors, just to give you an idea. The majority of them are from who? David. Okay. We have a, we have a Psalms from David. We have, we have a Psalm from Solomon. And there's even a Psalm from Moses, okay, in your Psalms, in, in that book. But let me give you an example of how confusing things can be sometimes if we're, not, if we're not literate and understand the background of the Scriptures, okay? Now, back in, in 2 Samuel, way back in 2 Samuel chapter 11, King David has an affair with who? Bathsheba. And he gets her pregnant, then he has her husband killed, Uriah, right? In the next chapter, David is confronted by Nathan, okay, the prophet, and he confesses his sin in a real short sentence. But his full, heartfelt confession is, is not found in 2 Samuel, where you'd think it would be, but all the way over in Psalm 51. <laughs> so you can see, once again, how sometimes you think, what's going on? I mean, I thought, is this a separate one? Is, this, is he continuing to sin? Does he mess up? Is he continuing this stuff? What's going on? So, all right. So, I mean, David, his heartfelt confession is found in your notes. No, it's not. Um, Psalm 51, um, verse 1 and 2, it says, have mercy. This is, his, this is his prayer, okay? This is what he said when Nathan confronted him back over in 2 Samuel, okay? Um, and so he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So that happened way back, 2 Samuel chapter 12. Now, we get to the next section. Now, once again, stay with me. I want you to get this. I don't want you to be illiterate for the rest of your life. Okay? As I've been going through this, I've been refreshed. Personally. Because I haven't dealt with some of this stuff since Bible school. In the early uh, part of my ministry, when I taught a lot about this stuff. So, next we have the prophetic books. Okay? Okay? Um, all the rest of the books, the 17 books of the Old Testament, are what's called prophetic books. But they are talking about things that happened in the beginning of the Old Testament. Okay? So you think that they're at the end of the Old Testament, and they probably happened at the end of the Old Testament. Okay? But not so. Um, they're talking about things that happened in the beginning of the Old Testament, so you have to learn how they all line up. And here's a hint, they really don't go in chronological order. The first five prophetic books are called major prophets, okay? And the rest are called minor prophets. So you have the, book, the books of prophecy, and you have five books that are called major prophets, and you have the, the rest of them are called minor prophets, and can anyone tell me the difference between a major prophet and a minor prophet? The length of the book. <laughs> For real. The length of their book. <laughs> They're, you know, I used to think it was something completely different. And, and come to find out, it's just... Now, that is my expansive Bible college in use, Okay. Just so you know, <laughs> now, surely the New Testament's got to be clear. I'm, I'm not saying it's not clear, guys. Please don't misunderstand me. But understanding and organizing it in your thoughts sometimes can be confusing. That's why we're doing this. The New Testament's got to be easier, right? Now let's look at the 27 New Testament books. 
The first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels. I know this is really old for some of you, but there's some people sitting here right now that don't know this. Amen? And they need to know, okay? Are the Gospels. What does the Gospel mean? Gospel means the good news, right? God, the first four books are the Gospels or the story of the life of Jesus, okay? That's what those four books are about. And Matthew, Mark, Luke basically all t- tell the same story of Jesus, but just from their point of view, okay? Um, and then you get to the book of John, and, and John's kind of his own deal. And, um, and it seems as though things are out of order with John, um, but it's not that John is wrong, it's that he recalls the life of Jesus from a different perspective, from a topical fashion, topical, okay? He sees things in topical perspectives, kind of like when I do a topical series, all right? Then we come to what's called the Acts, Acts of the Apostles, okay? Then we have the Acts of the Apostles, and um, this, is really, this is really the only history book um, in the New Testament is the book of Acts. It basically is telling us the story of the church from the ascension of Jesus Christ all the way back to A.D. 63, okay, or all the way forward, all right? From the ascension to A.D. 63, when we come to the end of the book, we turn the page and we have the book of Romans, right? And it just seems logically that the book of Romans would just follow up right where Acts left off. What do you think? Not so. (laughs) That would be a little too easy for you. (laughs) Romans is a letter to the church of Rome, okay? Roman is the letter, uh, is, a, is a letter to the church at Rome. It's not a history book. It's, it's part of, it's the first of 21 letters, if you will, written to the churches and individuals. Or you've probably heard them called epistles. Epistles and letters are the same thing, just so you know, okay? A lot of people thought um, that the epistles were the wives of the apostles, <laughs> <laughs> they're letters, okay? They're, they're, they're letters, yeah, written to the churches. And you think they're arranged in chronological order? No. <laughs> they're not. They're arranged by author. Yeah. The first 13 are from Paul, okay? We see the first 13 are from Paul, yeah, all the way from Romans all the way up to Philemon, okay? And then the next eight letters are written by various authors, Okay, we can see that. Um, so we've got, we've got um, all of those different books or letters or epistles that are so meaningful to us as a church because they absolutely have the ability to be transferable into our lives, okay? And we can see that. Now, the last part of the New Testament is a book we call prophecy. Just like the Old Testament, the New Testament has a book of prophecy as well. And this is, this is the last book of the Bible in your table of contents. It is the book of Revelation, okay? The book of Revelation. And actually, <laughs> actually, the first two New Testament books are not Matthew and Mark, but rather James and Galatians <laughs> in terms of its time. Did you know that? It's just funny that, that James and Galatians were literally the, two, the first two books written in the New Testament. And here's the kicker. Matthew was considered to be one of the last 
books written. I guess it's a whole new take on the first should be last and the last should be first, right? <laughs> so, do you see why many people revere the Bible, but they just have a hard time reading it? And that's why I said in the very beginning, do you want to understand it better? Do you want to learn more about God's Word? Do you, do you want to be able to see it with clarity? Do you want to be able to go deeper and understand and so that's what we're talking about. And, and people, pe- you know, people do the, you know, put your hand on the Bible, right? <laughs> you, you ever had somebody, you know, talk smack? JP and I were talking about this the other day. <laughs> talk smack, and then, then, you, then you bring them the Bible and say, all right, put your hand on the Bible. And they're like, no way, man. I'm not talking about putting my hand on the Bible and saying that, right? Because <laughs> it wasn't true, right? Um, but they revere the Bible, but they really have never read it because it gets uh, just a little bit confusing sometimes trying to figure it all out. So, I mean, can you imagine me giving you a novel, you know, and mixing up all the chapters and, <laughs> and telling you to figure out the one story that I'm trying to tell or the book's trying to tell? It's tough. And so we want to help you put it in perspective. So once you see the story, it will change your life. That's that last blank, I think it is. And that's what the story experience is all about. That's what we're, we're getting ready and preparing for, okay? It's, it's uh, meant to unravel all of this that I've been talking about and allow some of you for the first time to see the one story God has been telling. As I said, it's an abridged, chronologically, chronological of the Bible it's shortened. The word abridged means shortened, just so you know. The unabridged Bible probably that you have is its full length. And it's not designed to replace the Bible. Please understand me. This is not designed to replace the Bible. Please understand that. It's designed to be a gateway into the Bible. It moves things around so that you can read it a little bit more like a novel and understand it better. It does things like move the heartfelt confession of David's Psalm 51 and puts it right after Nathan confronts him in 2 Samuel 12 so that you can see the broken and the contrite heart of King David right after he's caught red-handed in his sin. So we close today. Turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 31. Deuteronomy 31. Moses, in this section, has come to the end of his life, and he gathers Israel together, and then he, he, passes, he passes the mantle of leadership off to Joshua, and then he establishes a very important pattern. Everyone say pattern, or pattern, okay? A very important pattern for them to follow that would ensure their success, okay? And here's, here's how it goes. Deuteronomy 31, 9 through 13. So Moses wrote down this law, and he gave it to the Levitical priest. We'll talk about that in our time. The Levitical priest and how they function, okay? What that means. Who carried the Ark of the Covenant. Some people don't know what that is, the Ark of the Covenant. We'll talk about that. We're going to get to know some of these things, okay? Um, of the Lord to all the elders of Israel. 
Then Moses commanded them at the end of every seven years, in the year of canceling debts or the year of Jubilee, during the festival of tabernacles, when all Israel comes, comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, you shall read this law before them in their hearing. Assemble the people, men and women and children. That's what I'm so excited about, that we're going to have men and women and children in our church assembled together, reading God's Word. Assemble together. And the foreigners residing in your town, so they can underscore that, listen and learn. Listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow, under, underline that, follow carefully all the words of the law or the word. Their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn it. Underline those. Hear it and learn it. To fear your, the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you're crossing the Jordan to possess. You see, a huge concern for Moses was making sure the next generation understood the law or the story. Moses knew, please hear me, church. Moses knew that they were only one generation away from losing their identity and going back into captivity. One generation away. And hear me now. The same is true for us today. If we don't get serious, get busy to learn the Word of God and pass it down to our descendants and make sure that you may not have small children anymore, maybe you have older children who are having children, that your grandkids know it. Mickey and I are passionate about our granddaughter understanding the Word of God, and she is a passionate believer for the Lord Jesus Christ. She is on fire for God at 16. She understands the scriptures. She'll take everyone to task, I promise you. <laughs> Same can happen to us. Let's stand to our feet. The question is, is you're going to let it happen with you, where you, you know, just, just sort of get casual about God and, you know, you, you've got your relationship with Him or, you know, you're going to go to heaven because you accepted Christ in your heart, but, you know, that's cool. Me and mine. Or, are you going to be a serious disciple of the Word of God? Really growing, understanding, digging deep, getting clarity. Well, that's what this year is about. We're going to help you as a church. We're going to lead the way, and then you can take it deeper and get more clarity as a result. Let's bow our, our heads for just a moment, close our eyes. and God, I'm just asking you to, to, to make yourself real and known to the people in this room. God, I pray that you would challenge each one of us to up our game. God, I'm not trying to do that for them. I'm trusting you to deposit that in them. Take us to a whole nother level this year. Help us to see clearly 
Help us to understand and go deep in our walk with you and your word. Help this year to be a launching pad so that we can soar and be the people of God you've called us to be. God, just like Moses was concerned about being one generation away from losing their identity and being swept back into captivity, so we too are in danger of that happening. On a personal level, as a church, God help us. God help us. This morning, if you'd just be honest enough to say, you know what, I I need this. I desperately need this. I need to grow in God. I need to understand His Word better. I want you to pray for me today. I want to get everything I can out of this year. Just slip up your hand so I can see that. God bless you all over the place. All over the place. Father, you see those hands. We're serious about this stuff. (laughs) Business as usual is no longer accepted. So Father, take us where you want us to be. I pray for every single person that raised their hands, that there would be an enthusiasm and an excitement and a desire and a hunger to know more, know more about the things of God and to know you more in this year. As we worship for just a few more minutes, I want to encourage you to take some time with the Lord and just sort of process this. Don't be distracted. There's all sorts of stations. Our pastoral team is on the sides to pray with you if you'd like. But you can visit and pray, take things to the cross, whatever that might look like. Let's just focus on him for just a few more minutes here so we can just you know, seize this opportunity with God speaking to our hearts. If you want to know more about Life Lessons, check us out online at MetroBelievers.com or write to us at Metro Believers Church, P.O. Box 45702, Madison, Wisconsin, 53744.